What's up, queens? Welcome to The Female Dating Strategy, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And today we are going to kick off this episode with a call to action for our listeners. Here at FDS, we want to be as representative as possible. And we also want to get as many women as possible to share their unique perspectives and experiences. As such, we are currently opening a call to action for any woman from a non-Western country who would like to come on the podcast and share their life experiences. Okay, so you can be from a Western country, but something that's a background that is outside of the demographic of your hosts, right? Of your lovely, beloved hosts, right? So I think... We are prioritizing, I think, non-Western perspectives because there's just a lot going on in the world right now in in feminism globally. But we would also love to hear from women over 40 or over 50, women who are divorced and have children because neither none of us are divorced, nor do we have kids. So we would also love to hear from anyone who's had a particularly unique circumstance in their life, like someone like Roxy Roots, who we just interviewed a couple of weeks ago, who had really interesting insights on the sex trade. So essentially, if you would like to come on the podcast and to share your unique life story, do get in touch with myself or Ro. You can reach us by direct message on our Twitter accounts. That's probably the easiest way to do it. And we would love to hear from you and to hopefully have you on the podcast. And my Twitter is at Ro underscore FDS. And that's Ro, R-E-A-U-X underscore FDS. And my Twitter is uh, Savannah underscore FDS. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, some people call it Twitter in the UK. I get why. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, so message us on that goddamn bird app that's probably going to break in like five weeks because Elon Musk has decided to... Oh my gosh, Elon's fucked it. He's, he's fucked it. It's horrible now. He's totally fucked it. Oh, that roast is long overdue actually, by the way. So also, if you want to come on and roast Elon Musk as well... <laughs> you'd be most welcome because we we wanted to do a roast of him for a while, but just shit kept propping up. So if you have a unique Elon Musk roast that you need to get out of your system, please contact us as well. You can also message us on at femdatchat, but I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to check that shit as often as I'm checking my own messages. So message us on our 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 direct DMs. (laughs) Yeah, just message us in a slide into our DMs, ladies. We'd love to hear from you. Slide into my DMs. Anyways, what's our topic today? The final round. It's the final part of 37 Truths that we should have been taught about men. I do feel like this series could have been like 100 points long because there's just so many lies about men in society. But we just picked the best 37, we think. But maybe we'll do a part two. A part two of the 37? 37 more? (laughs) (laughs) 37 more trees. 37 more electric boogaloo. <laughs> I'm sorry to continue then. Too fast, too furious. <laughs> like too fast. <laughs> it's like eight different, eight different. <laughs> We're going to have eight different separate series of 37 truths. <laughs> like the sawfish as well. <laughs> This is like the feminism episode too, right? So this is going to be the 37th truth as it pertains to feminism and overall social dynamics between men and women. Yes. And we'll post the links to the previous episodes in the show notes in case you missed them or want to uh, listen to them again so you can follow it through. But we are on 29. And this one says that women tend to internalize their insecurities, whereas men tend to externalize theirs. So... This one deals with the fact that in modern discourse, it's a common, I guess, almost myth or trope about women that we're bitchy, that we're catty, that we're this, that we're that. But actually, a lot of that is just projection from men, because if a woman is insecure about herself, whether that's about her abilities, or you know, she tends to ask, okay, you know, what is wrong with me? Whereas if it's a man, he tends to ask, you know, and, you know, let's say he's insecure about his looks or his income or whatever, as opposed to looking, I guess, within to see what he could do differently. He tends to ask, OK, so what is like wrong with everybody else? And when he's talking about what is wrong with everyone else, he's mainly talking about, you know, what is wrong with the women who don't want me and think I'm waste. In general, men tend to think that society should conform to whatever they feel is correct, right? 
Whereas women have been taught and bullied into believing that society is how it is, we shouldn't be able to influence it. And therefore, everything that happens to us is our fault and our feelings to deal with it should be internalized. I mean, that manifests in so many different ways, right? That manifests in the differences in uh, rates of eating disorders. There's like, there's so many different ways in which the way that society makes women feel that we don't have the right to exert any type of influence in the structure of the society and or any type of influence on what we should ask for men and that everything that women uh, want is irrelevant or secondary to what men want manifests in women being second-class citizens, both from a legal standpoint, but also just socially. So feminism, in theory, is the attempt to correct that so that women are equal in society, meaning like we exert in equal influence for our needs instead of just feeling like we have to internalize everything to conform to whatever men want. Whereas men are never happy. There is no place on earth where men haven't decided that women are too feminist. Like there's just so many eye-opening mo- moments for me about this. But if I always encourage people to listen to like different podcasts or different like news reports where they, where they straight up just talk to some of these scrotes in other countries. And like, if women get like a little bit of breathing space, they'll start complaining about how women are too feminist these days. And like, they straight up were talking about this in Afghanistan. They were uh, interviewing members of the Taliban. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's because men, once again, they feel like, okay, how I feel about women not being able to control women is something the way that society should be structured to revolve around my feelings and my insecurities and my quote rights as a man. Right. And they'll fight for it because they're crazy. And that's why we need feminism because, well, Lilith would say otherwise if she was here, but like we're not necessarily uh, strong enough to go on like a full toe to toe uh, war with men because they're just bigger and crazier. But we have to figure out other ways to exert influence through different types of tactics, which we talk about here on the podcast. Yes. And that actually segues quite nicely into number 30. So this one says that feminism is for females. Let me repeat feminism is for females. XX. Ugh. Preach it. Feel it in your bones. And male problems have no place in feminism. Now, this should be self-explanatory, but one of the things that really annoys me is when people confuse feminism. This is mainly liberal feminists, but when they confuse feminism with egalitarianism, if you believe that men and women should be equal, you are an egalitarian. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I don't think it's realistic because men and women are different. And saying that we're different doesn't mean that we have to be unequal or we don't have the same opportunities. And I think, you know, women have been disadvantaged over time with this whole rhetoric that we are the same as men because we are not the same as men. That's just a little one. Here's the thing. Here's what I love about being part of FDS, because men always try to have these gotcha moments where it's like, oh, I thought feminists believe in equality. I thought feminists are trying to be equal. And they use that as a a bludgeon to talk about certain aspects of feminism they disagree with because they feel like it's not exactly the same as men. At FDS, I can proudly say that I don't give a single solitary fuck if it's unfair to men. You'll get 100%. 100%. I'm like, I'm trying to win. I'm not trying to be equal with you. I want you to lose in every way possible. So when they try to be like a gotcha, like, oh, a gotcha feminist, I thought you guys were going to, you want to move in low quality. I'm like, I never said that shit. It's like, I never wanted equality with you. I didn't say that shit. Don't come on my Twitter account talking about like, don't feminists want shit to be equal? I'm like, you got the wrong one. You know, I know you're not talking about me because I made it perfectly clear that this is not about equality. This is about like, I win and you lose. I don't want you to have things. I don't want you to, to actually, <laughs> I don't want you to succeed or thrive in life above me. or other women. I want to exert control and power over your ability to live your life. So for me, anyways, I'm fine being a feminist villain, but I feel like we need more feminist villains who just come out and say the thing. Because for men, they have the conservatives. Like conservative men are pretty much the arch villain of feminism because they don't even try to pretend that they're not constantly prioritizing men. Whereas I feel like this like pussyfooting around liberal feminism when they try to like convince men like, oh, we're all equal in this and we can have... Oh, you know, feminism, it benefits you as well. This is why you should... Fuck that shit. Like, fuck that. Yeah. 
It does benefit men in the long term, but it's clearly harmful to some men, the shitty, uh, crappy men we're trying to weed out of the gene pool in the short term. And those in the short term, they are unfortunately like the shitty, crappy men are the ones with the loudest voices and the biggest platforms. This is why we just can't care if feminism isn't beneficial to them. Doesn't matter if it is or not. And also, again, I think in a way that speaks to internalized misogyny when women say that, because it's almost saying like, you know, women having, you know, rights or being able to get ahead or just being their own person, it has to be beneficial to men. Otherwise, it's not going to happen, which again is nonsense. It shouldn't have to be that way. We should just be able to have those things in the first place, regardless if the men get on board or not. So honestly, feminism is really the only civil rights movement where it's acceptable to shoehorn in the problems of the oppressive group. Like Black Lives Matter, for example, there's a reason why All Lives Matter is seen as something quite abhorrent because it's trying to basically dilute a real, you know, societal problem that is racism by trying to say everyone matters when it's coming from a very disingenuous place because, you know, Black Lives Matter isn't saying that white people don't matter. It's recognising the unique struggles that, you know, black people and other ethnic minorities go through because of their race. So why people do this with, you know, feminism and sex, the same people saying all lives matter is ignorant, is just, is wild to me. And again, this is a bit of an EDI rant as well, but I sort of feel like we've also come to a place in history where everybody has to be included in everything and you actually don't. So if there is a conversation about Muslim women, for example, I'm not going to be offended if no one wants my opinion or if I'm excluded from that because I'm not a Muslim woman. I'm okay with them having their own spaces and their own discussions, but we've sort of come to a point now where everybody has to be included in everything. And that's not even how humans work. Like even out in the wild, like, you know, humans tend to form, you know, packs with people who tend to be similar to them. Like really, like inclusivity is not really this whole thing where everybody has to be included in absolutely everything. Because also that's not inclusive because it means that the people, in this case, like the women who need to be included end up excluded because other people who aren't supposed to be part of their movement end up in their spaces. So every group, I think, has in-group politics and then out-group politics. I think inclusivity was about creating uh, greater opportunities and visibility for people who are from, quote, non-traditional backgrounds, etc. Yes, yes, agreed. But it, it didn't mean that that person's culture or group needed to be destroyed, you know? It's just a matter of, like, allowing for more nuanced perspectives and more opportunity for people. And I think what happened is bad actors then decided to use the language of inclusivity to upend and disrail any type of movement that was an advocacy on behalf of a specific group. So I think Black Lives Matter is a great example. But feminism in general, right, it's become like, men are great at this. They are so great at doing this, like uh, using the language of that group to then weaponize it against the women in that group. Yeah. And so I think we talked about how liberal feminism gets derailed over and over again because they t tend to take men at face value and not question to the extent of their involvement or like the narratives they're trying to push in a certain way and why. So I think that's just important to realize. Like, I think we're having a, a conversation as a culture about like, hey, we all have, you know, the gamers, for example, have their own in-group culture. And, you know, it doesn't have to be always be like, you know, race or gender based, but that there's also a need for people who have like similar experiences or similar backgrounds and similar interests to talk amongst themselves and have that, but also have a larger integration into the larger society with visibility. So that's where we're saying it's totally fine to have a feminism that doesn't include men. That's all. That's the point of that entire conversation. Yes. And don't feel bad about it either. You know, like Rose said, you know, when men, if they come at you and saying, I thought you're about equality, just say, I never told you I wanted to be equal with men. So goodbye. Damn sure I didn't. And <laughs> we get that a lot on Reddit as well. Like when the scrapes are mad and screenshot or stuff and they're like, I thought FGS was about equality. I'm like, mate, <laughs> where did we see? We literally say in the sidebar, like male benefit is like... Secondary afterthought. It's like residual drippings. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum female benefit. It's in our tagline. Literally. So don't feel bad. And it's ultimately, you know, like Rose said, it's just playing on women's, you know, nature to not offend people. 
And it's like any movement that has impact is going to offend people. Like you have to be comfortable with offending people if it means that, you know, your rights and your spaces are upheld. And that's what I got to say on that. Speaking of liberal feminists tendency to be manipulated by men, uh, number 31, male feminists support feminism as long as it guarantees their sexual access to women. Take it away, Savannah. I'm just going to say this right now. I don't think a man can be a feminist, like well and truly, because being a feminist would mean they would have to give up or have to deeply rethink the way they relate to women. And even a man with the best of intentions, that will be very, very difficult, if not impossible for a lot of men, because they would have to rethink things like the porn industry, abortion rights. I can honestly tell you, like a lot of the pro-choice men who say I'm, you know, pro-abortion rights, her body, guarantee if they were in a situation where they impregnated a woman and she wanted to keep it and he didn't, he would do whatever he could to try and talk her into having an abortion. This is why I say like, I think feminism is just fundamentally, as it stands at the moment, it's not compatible as in like true feminism that is about the liberation of women. It isn't compatible with the male psyche. I just think it's like co-centric circles where there are some things that overlap that are clearly overall better for society, but there are a few things that are zero sum. And so in those things that are zero sum, women need to advocate for themselves unapologetically because men will always be advocating for themselves unapologetically. So for example, to use the abortion example, and I wrote this on my Twitter. So I've been watching this show called Finding Your Roots on PBS. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but it's basically a a genealogy show where they take a celebrity and they go back through their ancestral history. And a lot of the people that come on that show have a history of at least one rapist that they're descended from in their family. Pretty much everybody African-American, if you claw back in their family tree, you'll see some white flame bombing rapists. A lot of people of Eastern European Jewish descent, people who had uh, great grandmothers who were locked up in concentration camps, some of the Armenians as part of the Armenian genocide. I mean, it's really, they don't like always come out and say, oh, this is probably rape, but they'll say stuff on the show. Like, we don't know the nature of this relationship. We don't know if it was consensual or not. So when you start watching the show, you start to realize like just how many people in existence right now are probably descendants of rapists. And so when we developed the birth control pill in the 60s, and then abortion became legalized nationwide in the 70s, a lot of economists have tracked the large drop in crime that started to occur in the 90s to abortion rights that when and the invention of the birth control pill that once women had the ability to choose whether or not they had a child in which circumstance they had a child and weren't forced to have the children of rapists, you could see a noticeable drop in violent crime. Now, here's the thing. If you were trying to explain to men long term, it's way better for humanity for women to be able to choose whether or not to have a child. But they think the short term, right? It's like, I want my progeny to keep going. I don't want that bitch to have control whether or not I bring my child gets to be born, right? But Some of these places that have wars for long amounts of time, I mean, a lot of people who study this can attribute to the fact that the women don't have any rights there. And so it's quite literally a cycle of them having children against their will because they're being raped. Those children being born, the men indoctrinating them children, those children be warlords, and then they have war again. So when you see these wars that are just going on for decades upon decades, a lot of it has to comes down to women just not having any rights in those society to stop having children in environments that are not conducive to producing children and then or having them be indoctrinated by the worst men possible. So like, this is where we talk about how feminism is beneficial to men. But it is like, sometimes it's more on a social level than on an individual level. Those shitty rapey men can clearly see it does not benefit them per se, if they're the type of guys that want to force women to carry their child to be evolutionarily successful. It's rape is a, a good strategy for them, right? It's a bad long term strategy for society, but it's a good short term strategy for men. So that's where I'm saying like, sometimes it's, there's just no overlap. And sometimes it's way, way better for women to assert their right and their interests like, above men's, right? Not to mention it's just our body and all that kind of shit and fuck what men have to think about it. But just like, just if we were to take them at the discussion of like, well, feminism is bad for men. And I'm like, well, it's bad for the shitty men. Of course it is. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like another problem that I see within feminist circles is the excessive, you know, fawning and platforming of men who are saying exactly the same thing as women. Like, why? There's no need for it. 
as well. And a lot of these times, these men who are supposedly pro-women in these arguments, they have their own agenda as well. And if you dig deep into their agenda, their agenda is actually quite anti-women. It's the same, this whole sex work is work, you know, the mantra, it started with the Johns. And on the surface, it seems like, yeah, they're pro-sex worker, they're pro-women. But when you dig down into the implications of, you know, sex work is work, it only serves men. Yeah, that's why I think the women that do stuff like, oh, we'll suck dick if you vote for a Democrat are so problematic. People say that? Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of like political fangirls that do stuff like that. Ugh. <laughs> why? The idea is to entice men to sexual access, like vote for women through the promise of uh, sexual access, which isn't like a terrible strategy, except for the fact that that, that becomes an entitlement with men. Right. Because if they're like, I voted for Bernie Sanders, why aren't you sucking my dick yet? Right. Then it becomes that thing. Right. I think a lot of the feminism, too, when we talk about like sex and the sexual revolution, which we've had, you know, Louise Perry come on and talk about that. The idea was that like uh, sexual freedom would result in um, more or would it result in better gender relations. And we can kind of say not necessarily because once again, we haven't really addressed the fact that like, there's times where men are prioritizing themselves because their sexual pleasure, they care about prioritizing their sexual pleasure and then coercing women to do what they want. And that's not even a political thing, right? That's just a male thing. So just when you meet feminist guys, so often their feminism is revolved around, I think, I think I want sexual access to women and they're pro-choice because they don't want to ever have to take care of a child they don't want. So they're actually pro-choice. They're pro, I should be able to bully a woman into having an abortion. So just watch that kind of language. So 32, when men say society does not care about men, what they really mean is women are not giving me enough attention and validation. Well, yeah, like because I came across this when I noticed that I was reading several threads where men were complaining that they don't get compliments. And they only seem to comment on the fact that they weren't getting compliments from women. They weren't talking about the compliments or the support they get from other men, I guess, because they don't get any. But even still, that's not women's problem. So yeah, I just feel like it's, and especially this whole thing around, you know, male loneliness. We've spoken about this on the pod before on the bonus content and others. But essentially, when they're saying that society doesn't care about lonely men, what they're really saying is that these men can't get women and it's women's problem to fix that when it's not our problem. Goes back to point number 30, where it's like, you know, male problems have, you know, no place in feminism and the onus should not be on women to resolve men's societal problems. So if men are suffering from loneliness, that shouldn't be directed towards women. They should also be looking at what men can do to support each other and make each other less lonely. This is why the men's rights movement almost exclusively focuses on uh, being anti-feminist instead of truly pro-men, because the structure of society is set up in a way that men actually like, right? They'll always cite the homelessness statistics of men and all these other things about how men are dying in wars, etc. But like, they're not actually usually overlapping with a political movement that would change that. They're a lot of times like very conservative on top of like feeling like men are the biggest victims in the world. So I'm like, okay, so you like society as it is. You just don't want women to have a place within it that you feel is too powerful. So when we talk about these guys that'll cite the statistics of like mental illness, et cetera, for men, you know, they're also often voting for policies that would not uh, provide socialized healthcare services because they feel like, oh, those bitches over there are going to use it to be single mothers. They're going to look at women who have children who might go in those social support services as welfare queens. So they're always like us uh, cutting off their nose to spite their face where they want to be mad that men aren't being supported with mental health services, but they would rather men suffer than to see women have any type of mobility to leave a man because there are social services available to her. So they're just full of shit. They don't actually want to change it, right? They will be, if a single mother with children was able to leave an abusive partner because of uh, social support services, they would rather that not exist for her than have it and also be available to men who are struggling with mental illness or something that would need mental health or social support services or starving. That's why you know they're full of shit and they don't actually care about men either. They just hate women. Well, yeah, exactly. So again, don't fall for the manipulation as well, because another thing to note is that when you know men go through something that's all of a sudden a public health crisis, 
but you know let's say instances of domestic violence even though the discourse around that is shifting but even now you still get a lot of the whole oh you should have picked better you know that's your fault it's the sort of men that you're attracting again women are being forced to internalize their problems even when those problems are actually societal problems whereas men externalize theirs so don't fall for it ladies I feel like this one is quite ironic. You know, when I was putting together this list, I didn't realise that Jesus died at 33 and we're talking about religion. (laughs) Okay, number 33. Religious and leftist men are two sides of the same shitty coin. I mean, so this one came about because I noticed when, again, I'm going to look at this through the BDSM lens, right? If you look at what BDSM is, I've spoken about it a million times, but it's a male dom and a female submissive. And they seem to think that that dynamic is very progressive in that, you know, tying up and, you know, beating, strangling, whatever, you know, doing whatever to your female partner is is somewhat a progressive form of expressing sexuality. Whereas if you look at any religious text or even a country that's highly religious, you would probably find that they would welcome BDSM with open arms because something like BDSM does is, even though it's championed by people who are so-called liberal, is that it leans into very, very archaic, generally religious and sexist stereotypes. And so the Venn circle in like in male sexuality and religion particularly is just a circle. And if you look at, you know, male sexuality through the lens of religion, it can it can actually be deemed to be quite socially conservative, even though the man proclaims to be liberal. And even though a lot of the sexual practices that we deem to be, for example, leftist and progressive, such as, you know, casual sex or BDSM, they're actually rooted in quite conservative practices. Yeah, it's all about men trying to take the moral high ground and then trying to convince women that we should acquiesce to that because it's beneficial for us, right? And religion is one of those ways. But there's just so many institutions that end up with very similar hierarchies where men sort of set the agenda and then convince women that it's either morally right or in our best interest to follow them, right? It's the same kind of male dominance and female submissive dynamic. And like, I brought this up on my Twitter that it feels like every advocacy group for every marginalized group has just like decided to full on gargle men's balls, no matter what it is. (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, it bothers me to no end. I mean, I've made rants about like Black Lives Matter for the same reason where and a lot of Black women have made the same critique that there's like an intense focus on specifically how police violence affects men and not how it affects uh, women. And also the how poor policing leads to the epidemic of homicides that we see with Black women, which we did an episode of uh, Female Political Strategy a while back. So there's that kind of thing. Then with feminism, we're having this entire argument about Yeah, like about uh, the sexual revolution and how much the, quote, freedom of sexuality has just become the most degenerate stereotypes of race, ethnicity, as well as uh, female abuse. There's a lot of discussion in the LGBTQ community about how trans activism has uh, marginalized lesbians in a lot of ways. It's like any type of movement, even if it's an advocacy group, it's like it ends up always, always, always being co-opted by men's interest. And then women just sort of fall in line because they feel like they're being like, I don't know, good allies or men have convinced them that they're morally superior by following this ethos. But I don't think to the extent that women take around and look that and see just how men are actually prioritizing themselves at our expense. And then trying to tell us that this is the right way to do things because it benefits them for us to believe it. And I feel like it's easy to point the finger at religion, but especially Abrahamic religions, but they're just one iteration of the same theme that you can see repeat itself in any type of group that asserts itself as some kind of moral authority. Yeah. So the moral story is that I feel like it can be easy to be guided by a man's political or religious ideology when determining if he's safe, in quotation marks, but it isn't a thing because even leftist politics and religion, they are united in their goal to screw over women to some degree in quite a major way. Intentionally or unintentionally, but yeah, facts. So... 34. Men who defend abusive, violent, rapist men are doing so because they have committed the same or similar behaviors toward women. Yeah. So 
we are in the last couple of truths. We're going to start entering into why the whole re-education angle is bullshit. We like to think that we can educate men out of defending bad behavior. But actually, if a man is defending something that is objectively violent, abusive and rapist, that should be a huge red flag because, you know, more often than not, they're not defending the other man who's done it. They are defending themselves because if they have to admit that man has done his wrong and he's a rapist or he's an abuser, they would have to admit that they are also a rapist or abuser themselves. Yeah, that's why they're all dedicated to making sure Me Too gets squashed or that we don't talk about certain nuances of rape. Because at some point, most men figure out that they have somewhat of an advantage when it comes to sexual situations to the extent that they're more likely to be believed in any type of sexual encounter. And also society still sexist in that women are often blamed for men's behavior when it comes to sex and sexuality specifically. So they know they can have sex with a woman, be absolutely disrespectful and shitty, and then just uh, go hashtag Kanye Shrug, still beat though, and then walk off, right? <laughs> Do you remember when that was going on on Twitter, the hashtag still beat though? Yeah. And it was, okay, so if you guys missed that era of Twitter, it was women who were complaining about how bad sex was with men. And then men decided to respond with like, so what, we had sex, so we won. So uh, hashtag still beat though, which means like I still had sex though. So Oh my God. So a lot of men at some point figure out that was just like probably the most blatant iteration of that. They know that they can get away with a lot of rapey behavior before there's actually any consequences for them or rape adjacent. Let's put that way, pushy sexual behavior. And so it becomes this thing where it's zero sum for a lot of them, where as long as you technically don't say no, or like they didn't grab you from the street or something like that and force you they feel like that's a valid sexual encounter. And a lot of them will do everything, you know, up to forcible rape and still consider that fair game. And so when we start talking about these nuances of deception, coercion, bullying, just overall disrespect and sexual encounters, a lot of them know that if we actually took that away from them, either meaning it had social legal consequences, they wouldn't be able to have sex. So that's why they're very invested in making sure that women can only exert so much power when it comes to a sexual encounter. And you also have to remember as well, and Lindy Bancroft speaks about this quite nicely as well, is that men are very, very good at shifting the goalposts when it comes to things like abuse and rape. So it benefits them. And what they deem to be abusive behavior is always a step above what they've already done. So, you know, let's say they've, you know, fondled somebody and kissed a woman without a consent. To them, the red line would be rape. If they have shouted at a woman and verbally abused her, to them, the red line will be, you know, hitting a woman as well. So even if a man, I guess, does defend a violent act, that doesn't also necessarily mean that he's safe because, you know, men are very adept at shifting the goalposts as to what they deem to be unacceptable behavior so that it doesn't include their own behavior. Number 35, men don't do things out of altruism. They respond to incentives and consequences. And if there is ever a statement that I wish every person who listens to FDS internalizes, because it's almost the foundation of everything else, is that a lot of feminism focuses a lot on like trying to get men to do things out of goodwill towards women. And there are a certain percentage of men who will do that. But if you want change on like a societal wide level, you have to start incentivizing the behavior you want and having consequences for the behaviors you don't want. They're not going to take accountability just to take it. And this is where I feel like conservatives have a little bit more of a grasp on that, right? In the sense of like, they kind of, maybe it's the benefit of them being cruel sometimes is like they have a very dark view of humanity and a lot of this you know stems from religion etc where it's like we're all sinners and the man is uh, forever <laughs> condemned and they're not wrong like i said i think old testament god was in the right okay like <laughs> <laughs> i mean and there's several times during humanity even now when i'm watching stuff on the news where i'm like yeah i feel like old testament god was right to just kind of keep wiping out humanity every couple of generations or so and just letting the good ones live right well, yeah, yeah. He gave Noah an out, didn't he? He said, get on the boat. And the, the thing is, even like Noah said, it's going to rain and the low value scrolls didn't listen and they ended up drowning. So like, <laughs> yeah. So even God gave the good ones an out. So 
Exactly. And then eventually I feel like what kept happening was they kept uh, defaulting back to the lowest uh, possible behavior and he gave the fuck up. He was like, all right, here's my son. <laughs> and then God just came. That's why he said, that's why he said, Jesus, I can't keep hitting the delete button. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm just tired of this shit. The uninstall app button in heaven. <laughs> uninstall. <laughs> You know, I've done that sometimes. It gets to a point where you're just like, I can't be bothered to uninstall this app again. <laughs> Download it again. Yeah, he basically said Jesus is like a wipe code. So you can choose to follow this or not. Otherwise, you'll burn in hell for eternal damnation, but I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be monitoring this shit full time anymore. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's what happened. <laughs> Basically, he put he put uh, Jesus in as a cheat code, and then decided to like passively allow humanity to keep going. Like, okay, here's the way, and then in some undetermined date in the future, when I'm definitely done with humans and y'all, just come back, and then you've picked your shit, either heaven or hell. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I'm out. I'm one hundred percent sure that's what happened. It's in the Bible. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's important to understand that because then you'll start to look at what strategies you can implement to enforce consequences on men for bad behavior and then incentivize the good behavior, both individually as well as on a societal level. So if I had to boil FDS down to one thing, it's creating strategies to incentivize the behavior that we want. But first of all, Figuring out the behavior and the things that would benefit for us as benefit all women in general, just on the basis of uh, biology, no matter where we are, just being female. And then how to set up society, both on a social level, political level, economic level, everything else to benefit us through incentivizing it through consequences for bad behavior and then reward, so to speak, for good behavior. So yeah, but you have to actually understand that instead of this, like men should care about women or men shouldn't sleep around or something like that, where it's like, if you just say men shouldn't, and you don't have any like consequences behind that, they're just going to look at you like you're crazy, right? Or like men should have more respect for women. And like men are just like, why, right? You have to give them like the why, because you won't be able to participate in society if you don't learn this shit and learn it well, right? Yeah. I also feel like there needs to like, when we say consequences as well, I know it's, it sometimes feels like the only consequence people can think of is like cancelling them on a mass scale or prison, which can be consequences, but they're not the only ways we can enact consequences. It can even be on, you know, the micro level of, for example, if you find out a guy is watching porn, just blocking and deleting him, just stuff like that. It doesn't have to be like he's cancelled or he goes to prison. And that sort of thing is starting to have an impact because we are starting to see men to behave in shitty ways, they are now beginning to realize that that is not going to cut it anymore, that women aren't going to continue to put up with that behavior. And that's as a result of, I guess, being continuously mocked, rejected, <laughs> lambasted by things like FDS, because that's also a consequence as well, is shame. And I personally think that shame is a very, very powerful motivator for some people. They will either continue to be shamed or the shame will make them want to change their behavior. My favorite social shaming trend right now is uh, women on TikTok shaming creeps at the gym who stare. They're so mad right now about that, by the way, but I don't care. I'm like, go in the gym, keep your eyes on the ground, mind your business, and then you won't get put on TikTok. Like men are feeling very victimized right now because they feel like some girls are like accusing them from, of staring and stuff and they're not. And I'm like, I actually could care less if it's inconvenient for you or if, even if the women are wrong about that. Like you keep your eyes on the floor when you see women in the gym. <laughs> Well, just don't like be, just don't be like gawking at people. Like sometimes I'll have a look at somebody in the gym. No, keep their eyes on the floor. No. <laughs> but yeah, but just like, don't be a creep. Like, and again, that's consequences. Yeah. You stop looking around. If you're a man, you should feel awkward. You should feel awkward looking at a woman ever. So, <laughs> so yeah, TikTok shaming is fun. Yeah, TikTok shaming is fun, but also, and I really wish I'd internalized I mean, I'd had relationships before I came to FDS, but I feel like they would have gone very differently had I understood this concept of that men don't respond to pleas and even to crying. They respond to incentives for good behavior and consequences for shitty behavior. Yeah. And I had to learn that somewhat cruelly as well. 
Yeah, same. And I guess I'm happy in the sense of, have you ever been happy that someone was like so shit that it just sort of forced you to wake up? (laughs) Yes. I mean, I've had a man who point blank said to me that you have to exert leverage. Like you don't have any leverage in this situation. And I was like, damn, it's like that. You know, I was like, man, like it's not just because it makes me feel nice. It was mind blowing of a concept at the time. But then I was like, then I started looking around. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's right. Like, in the sense of if a guy just straight up says he's not going to do anything without like some kind of leveraged incentive, then I realized like, oh, most men are like that. They just don't say it out loud when you just look at their behavior, though. So yeah. Anyways, next. 36. Male depravity is not ignorance. It's by design. Again, this is more goes back to the lib firm idea that we can educate people out of, you know, misogyny, particularly men. We can just tell them that it's not very nice. That if we just, that awful, 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 just communicate advice on Reddit, that to be fair, just communicate. I've been looking at the subs that were the worst offenders, right? And it seems to be falling out of favor. I swear Reddit. <laughs> like, honestly, 2X chromosomes has become a different place over the past year. They've definitely become radicalized, like in a good way, in a pro-woman way, because I'm seeing that advice like less and less and the just dump him advice more and more, which is good. Yeah, I think. I would like to take credit for that as far as like our influence in FDS, because I think a lot of um, FDSers that didn't migrate to the website just went to 2X chromosomes and started raising hell over there. It's still a shit website and it's still, it still has lib femme tendencies. Like the only thing with them is like they do so much ranting and not enough strategizing. This is why I don't like 2X. It's like, I don't even go on it. I think that's the issue with a lot of female learning spaces generally is that they're very, very good at articulating the problems, but the solutions just don't come along for the ride. I don't even think they're articulating the problems. Like it's like personal complaints. Because I feel like with us, like when we talk about like different things that our men are doing so that people are like aware of it, it's at least like giving it an overarching scientific view or like a, a social implication. Yeah, social lens. Yeah, yeah. Every other thing is like, oh, my boyfriend, he got a plate of chicken for himself and then make me a plate of chicken. And then they'll just like say, men are so shit. And then like none of it, I don't know. There's like, there's no follow up with that, like about how they chose this guy or why they're staying with him or, or like st- strategic analysis. Breaking mom is the worst for that. The mom will be saying the most heinous story and it'll just be like, I'm so sorry, Bromo. Or hey, he, my husband does the same. It's so annoying. Full stop. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, ugh. It doesn't have that much engagement to be as big of a sub it is either. And I think that's why, because it's just constant rage posting. Yeah, true. But it also feeds into this point that, you know, male depravity isn't ignorance, it's by design as well. And I feel like, you know, liberal feminists, they either, I'm thinking there's either two issues here, either they genuinely don't know what men think, or they know and just don't want to accept it. Either option is bad because, you know, men will openly discuss how they strategize to keep women in their place, so to speak. So, you know, that whole, there was a video that it went pretty viral about how, you know, men, they might be with a woman that they don't see a future with. And then they will use her basically as a launch pad to be with a woman that they actually want to be with. In those situations, it's, and like having been in that situation with a previous partner, it's very easy to think that the reason why he's not treating me well is because he doesn't know or that he's just, I just need to communicate more. I need to be more patient when actually it's a deliberate thing. These men know that they don't see the woman that they're with as being long-term and they're okay with that. And, and not only are they okay with that, they are actively strategizing in their heads anyway as how they can be the partner that they should be to this woman, to another woman. And that's how you just know that the whole thing is rigged against women and that it is by design. And if we look at patriarchy more broadly, patriarchy hasn't continued by accident. It's not, you don't uphold a system of oppression just by things being the way they are, especially men and to some extent, you know, women, but we're going to talk about men here because they, you know, benefits from patriarchy the most. The reason why patriarchy continues is that it is, it's a series of choices that that men make both at the macro and the micro levels in society. It's not an accident. And this is why things like appealing to men's altruism, you know, things like trying to just communicate is essentially futile. 
because you can't treat somebody badly or I don't think it's possible to systemically treat somebody badly by accident. The first time you might unknowingly cross a boundary, but if it's repeatedly bad behavior, that is not an accident. That is a choice. Plus, I think male depravity is just them being ultimately self-interested and a part of the evolution of any species, right? That Y chromosome ain't all the way there. Isn't it degrading as well? Yeah. So a little genetic discussion. So the Y chromosome in comparison to the X chromosome is really shitty at copying itself and highly prone to mutation. So that's why sometimes with men, you get just vast amounts of variety and quality. And that's typical of pretty much mammals in general. And also, yeah, it's degrading in quality, meaning like, I think it's got like less genetic material, like per iteration or each generation. So the thing is, is that in most animal kingdoms, for example, especially with mammals, like there is some aspect of natural selection that the females exert. And because like, there's obviously like social orders or like social behavior, but What's made it very different among humans is that we've been able to institutionalize things in a way that makes it much harder for women to exert power and influence, right? So I think in order to cope with that, sometimes women have this idea that like, oh, the depravity of men is just them being influenced by bad actors. And they don't think it's just like their natural state. Whereas I feel like if we were all like, I don't know, lions or something, <laughs> like we would just know that like males are dangerous and inherently self-interested. And insofar as you engage with men, they have to demonstrate some kind of value, right? And that's why males of most species spend so much time trying to uh, convince females to be around them. And other animals tend to be wary of males of a species. So I think there has to be a read a discussion about like what happens if just a certain percentage of men are really irredeemable. I kind of jumped off a lot of the liberal feminism stuff, especially when they started to do the like, oh, we have to rehabilitate pedophiles as part of feminism. And then I was like, okay, you have jumped the shark. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Oh, and also get rid of the sex offenders registers. Fuck that. Yeah, or getting rid of the sex offender registry. This has become like part of the general like liberal feminist manifesto. And it comes down to them, for whatever reason, feeling like, again, I don't even understand the logic behind this, and except for probably one of these girls had a sex offender boyfriend who she's trying to justify why he needs to be off the sex offender uh, registry. But it's like it comes out of this idea that they think every man is going to be redeemable and that everybody should be, if they're being educated, that they're going to be better. But I'm like, no, none of that's true for a significant portion of men. A significant portion of men are irredeemable and ultimately self-interested. And the sooner you accept that, and start making strategies to weed those guys out of society, and especially out of reproduction, the better off we'll be. Instead of trying to, I think, focus on so much altruism that you ultimately lose ground to these guys because they're able to manipulate you into serving their interests at your own interests. So just stop feeling bad for these guys. Like, it's just, they want it this way. If they didn't want it this way, it would be different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. To end on a slightly optimistic, slash maybe not so optimistic note, number 37 is that men can do better as a class. They just choose not to. And we are starting to see the struggles, the internal struggles that men are having or will continue to have in that they know that they need to shape up and step up. But a lot of them are still in that phase, which we alluded to at the top of the episode, where they feel like the world and women should just accept them the way they are. And when they begin to realize that actually there will be consequences if they don't treat women the way they should be treated, they will step up and do better. And this is where women's power is. And this is why men and patriarchy as a whole is actively invested in trying to manage down women's standards. Because if every woman around the world had the same standards, you know, for a man. So he has to treat me well. He has to, I have to find him physically attractive and stuff like that. The relationship dynamics would shift dramatically. And we're starting to see the beginnings of that, I think, but it will only get worse over time as I think even the liberal feminists are going to start to peak slowly but surely. Yeah. And let's say they can't do better. Like they literally can't. That's when you weed them out of the gene pool. They're supposed to fail. <laughs> failure is okay it's supposed to happen <laughs> well yeah and this is gonna sound like it's survival of the fittest that's what happens like 
the least desirable in society or the least able, they die out. Like, that's the natural order. Pussies are not charity. (laughs) They're going to try to convince you your vagina is a charity. They're going to guilt trip you and act like you have to rehabilitate men through all this like love and affection and sexual access. No, you don't. And it doesn't actually, like, if you've ever, I've dated somebody who I would probably classify as an incel, even if you did, that doesn't change their incel-like mentality because they often still have that chip on their shoulder anyway. So even, you know, if we decided to make pussy charity and, you know, gave it to men for free, that's still not actually going to resolve the incel problem because the problem lies in their mindset and their entitlement. It doesn't actually lie in whether or not they have access to a woman or not that is just a manifestation of their entitlement facts yeah so we would say that we need to continue to put in incentives and consequences because you know we fundamentally and this is where we differ from the black pills is that misogyny and patriarchy is a choice yeah it's not inevitable and if it is a choice it means that they can choose differently yeah yeah it's not inevitable in that they can choose differently and also women can exert power. This is why men spend so much time and resources to making sure women get no power, meaning like you're not educated, discouraging women talking about groups, trying to infiltrate those groups and hijack the messaging and the incentive towards another way, because they know that if women get on the same page about certain things, we can exert influence, like either aggressively or passively, right? So the mechanisms are patriarchy are such to prioritize men to such an extent that it removes the ability for women to fight back. And this is not even just patriarchy. This is just power in general. Like the group in power is interested in preserving its power. So there's a lot of tactics that you'll see over and over again, divide and conquer, mischaracterization of your enemy, etc. So a lot of these things are just power strategies that are just very gendered. And it just sort of kind of sucks sometimes when you see feminists respond to things that are like mass disrespect with like crying and appeals to altruism. And I'm like, they don't give a fuck. (laughs) Like we have to start finding ways to strategize to consolidate power and then weaponize power back at men in the ways that we can, right? Obviously, like the hardest thing for us is like getting into a physical fight with men is really difficult. But I think we have so many tools at our disposal and there's a lot of women who are uh, more, it's like all of feminism has become one big hug box instead of like a strategy to advance the interests of women, right? And I think personally, I think with FDS, like that's where I always stand and I, I really don't care if it's negatively affecting men. Like men can worry about themselves like they clearly have been doing since, I don't know, the beginning of time forever, all the time. When have they not been worried about themselves? So yeah, so with those 37 truths... I think those are a good foundation. The last couple episodes we did in this one as well to learning some of the hard lessons up front so that you can start to strategize in your own favor. And maybe there'll be a part two of the 37. I'm sure there will be in the future. Part two. We'll make this an eight volume series. (laughs) (laughs) Bigger and truthier. (laughs) That's our show. Check us out on Twitter at femdatshret and on our website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com, where you can discuss this episode. And don't forget to message us if you want to be on the show and you're from a, quote, non-traditional background. Also, listen to our weekly bonus content on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy. And follow us on Instagram at underscore thefemaledatingstrategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrouts out there, I win and you lose, bitch. You lose. Die mad. See y'all next week.